You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena, the parochial vicar of St. Anne's Parish in Butte, Montana, and chaplain of Butte Central Catholic Schools. Enjoy. I spent this past week at a wilderness first responder course just outside of Centennial, Wyoming, and I wanted sort of earthy experience. I don't get to sleep outside enough anymore, so I decided to camp out instead of staying in the cabins that they provided. The final night there, I was, was kind of lazy, so I just slept in the bed of my truck. And I was just kind of laying there after praying night prayer and sort of preparing for this homily and contemplating the Trinity and just how wonderful the Lord is in revealing himself to us in such an intimate way. You know, just how, how did we get to the point where we know such incredible things about who God is, things that we couldn't know them unless he revealed them to us, about the beautiful Trinitarian love that exists in the sort of interior life of God. It's incredible. So I dozed off after a while, and I was awoken by an impact to the side of my truck. And I kind of woke up and looked around the side and didn't see anything, so I was like, oh, well, must have just been... I must have left my door open and the wind blew it shut or something. So I went back to bed and I was awoken a second time by the overhead light in my cab of my truck coming on. And so I was like, this is for real. So I kind of look around the side and a a bear is just scrounging through my front seat. So that was a pretty interesting thing to see right after you wake up. It was just a black bear. It wasn't a big grizzly or anything, but... I kind of realized two things that made me a little afraid. First, I was like wrapped up perfectly like a little burrito in my sleeping bag, just waiting for a hungry bear. And then also, my bear spray was in the bag that he was digging through in my front seat. So I was like totally helpless. But I, I think my crazy reaction of turning and looking spooked him and he kind of ran off into the forest and I realized I can't just keep sitting here like a burrito so I jump around the side of my truck and I run up and grab the bag by the time I get up there he's coming back for seconds and so I yell these just obscene things at him I was really glad no one else was around and knew I was a priest it would have been scandal but I did what I needed to do to kind of scare him back in the forest for a second and then took my bag and grabbed my bear spray out and And then by then he'd kind of spooked and gone off, and so I packed my truck and moved to a different spot for the night. When I woke up the next morning, I I looked because I figured, I wondered how he got into my car, but it's no damage at all. He just politely opened the door, didn't scratch my car, didn't do anything but slobber a little bit on the interior. He just stole a little bit of chocolate that I eat when I go mountain biking, so who can blame him for wanting a little bit of chocolate? Now, what does that story have to do with the Holy Trinity other than, you know, I was thinking about it before falling asleep? I'll get to that. But God spent the whole of human history, spent the whole of human history slowly revealing himself to us, revealing who he was to the people of Israel. You know, thousands of years just making clear to them that he is God. He's the only God in the universe. There's only him. There is no other. And and that he isn't like us in all the best ways. That he's not 
a God made in the image of man like so many of the ancient gods of the world, with, who, is, who has superhuman strength but is still petty and has all the same faults as us. He's not like that. And that's why, in so many ways, it's incredible that Jesus came as a man. Because here stands before us someone who's fully man, who's like us in all ways but sin, but isn't some sort of intermediary between us and God. It's not just like Jesus is the way to God in a sort of, as a sort of ladder, but that he, he, he calls God his Father just like we call God our Father, yet he claims equality with God. That all that the Father has is mine, is what he says in today's gospel. So Jesus reveals God to us, and I think the only way that was really possible, both in revealing the Father's love and himself being the one who is revealed. It's a beautiful mystery. Before kind of diving any deeper into it, I want to wrap up just one more meditation on Jesus coming before us as man. I guess it has a little bit to do with the bear. So he, Jesus grew up in Nazareth. It's a town of 200, middle of nowhere, backwater town. And as I was kind of meditating on my experience, I realized that Jesus probably had, as a man, especially as a young man, probably these incredible, weird, unpredictable experiences of, of like anxiety and terror, of sort of like those moments when the world seems outside of your control. He, he dove that deep into our humanity that he was willing to sort of experience these intense emotions, uh, these unpredictable events. So even in, you know, even in the time when I'm yelling obscene things at a bear, Jesus understands my inmost being. Do you know anyone, or perhaps maybe you're, you yourself are this way, who might think like this, who says something like, I like the idea of God. Now, I, I, know, I know he exists in some way because the world doesn't seem to make any sense without some sort of creator. You know, like the universe, as we know it, the whole Big Bang makes no sense without, without some prime mover, something to move it all into existence. Um, but the idea of the Bible or the incarnation, you know, God becoming a man, or the idea of the Trinity, which is so complicated even for us as Christians... The idea of the church, doesn't that seem a little bit absurd? You know, and, and part of it is because how can you prove that those things are real? You know, how can you test any of that? You can test the existence of God. You, know, you can look at the world and know something about God. Know that he exists and know a few things about him. But you, but you can't test those other things. And so how do we answer someone like that in their questioning? You know, Bishop Robert Barron was speaking on Revelation recently, and he gave this sort of example of, of a friendship, in that when, you, when you're coming to know someone as your friend, you will eventually reach a point when they will tell you something about themselves that you, that you could not know unless they told you, that you could never figure out about them unless they sort of revealed it to you themselves. And it's something that, that you can't verify. You can't prove that it's true about them. It, it, may, it may make sense in the, in the context of who they are, 
due to everything else you know about them, this thing that they revealed to you makes sense. But in the end, you're going to have to, in a sense, make an act of faith to trust that what this person is telling about you about them is true. That's true of any intimate friendship or relationship. And if that's true on the human level, then how much more is it true of God? You know, as I said, we can, we can know a decent amount about who God is as creator by looking at the world and looking at the universe. But if we want any sort of real, deep, meaningful friendship with him, then we have to let him reveal something to us about himself. And this is sort of the basis of the incarnation and of the Trinity. You know, Jesus came to do exactly that. In revealing himself as the Son of the Father and in giving us the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to guide us to all truth, what our scriptures say today, he brought about a profound, a total change in the friendship between God and man. And also in all of this, we as Christians aren't pointing to the idea of God. We're not pointing to some idea of who God is. We're pointing to a friendship that's rooted in history, in God actually revealing himself in the world, in time. Because if we're talking about just ideas, if the Bible is just sort of like a book of, a book of moral truisms, then we're the most pitiable of people. But we have a God who enters into history and actually reveals himself to us tells us something that we could not have known about him unless he revealed it. That God himself is actually a communion of love. And we say that all the time, but what does that mean? It means that the Father and the Son have for all of eternity loved one another. And the Holy Spirit literally is that love between the God, God the Father and God the Son. That that's the primary move of God is love. And that we, through our baptism, are somehow taken up into that. And that is mysterious and weird. What does it look like? You know, Paul says, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered our hearts what God has planned for those who love him. But we can know as human beings, I think everyone knows this, Christian, non-Christian, anything, that the whole point of our lives is to love someone in a true and beautiful way, and to be loved by someone. You know, life is utterly meaningless if someone doesn't love you. Everyone knows that. And it's meaningless if you don't return that love to someone. And why, why, do, we, why do we actually think that way? Why is that true for us? It's because we were created by a God whose fundamental move is love. You know, preaching on the Trinity is, is for me, rarely a sort of functional thing. So I don't... I don't have something for you to do this week, you know, as a result of this homily. Um, but I think that's because we're a highly functional people and we don't know how to contemplate or pray. So that's the goal. Take this week and actually think about the Holy Trinity. Don't be intimidated by it. God revealed it to us for a reason. So take some time away from the noise and ask God to reveal something to you that you wouldn't know without that friendship. That, that, he, that you wouldn't know just by sort of looking at the world. Something about his love, in particular for you. And so I want to finish, actually, this week in the, it's Father's Day, so we congratulate all the fathers uh, on your great mission and vocation. 
I want to finish with a story, I guess, about fatherhood. Uh, let's change gears a little bit. Right when I was ordained, I went on a little wilderness trip with a group, and I only knew about half the people in the group. And so I ended up floating down the river in a boat with a mother and daughter, who I didn't know very well, but I got to know them over the course of that, over the course of that week. And in particular, I kind of took quite a bit of time away from like fishing and whatever else we were doing to play with, play with her daughter because she was kind of bored and because the mom needed a break, it seemed like. So, and because the kid was just awesome, so got to know her a little bit. And they weren't Catholic, but I think she saw in me kind of, I guess, what you're supposed to see in a priest, which is someone who has a sort of a heart that's not taken, that's free to love whoever's, you know, whoever's in front of me, whoever I'm called to love. So at the end of our trip, I'd gotten to know them pretty well, and I was saying goodbye to everyone and about to walk over to my car and told this little girl she was awesome and started walking away. And then she kind of realized what was happening and turned and ran, ran over to me and gave me that sort of leg-bind hug that's like, you better stop or you're going to trip and fall on me and look like a jerk. So she, and then she said, you know, like, you can't leave. I'm never letting go of you. And that was like, it broke my heart more than anything. I mean, it was beautiful, but it broke my heart because I couldn't be that little girl's father. Not in the long run. Like, I could be her spiritual father to a certain extent. But she needed a dad, and she didn't have one. And, that, and then so she was clinging to, like, what little she knew of what a father was in that moment. And so I just want to say, fathers, give yourselves to your families. Be there fully. Just be there. You know, be the one who protects them from the world when they need it. The one who pushes them out into the world when they're ready for it. Uh, the one who comes home from work and spends every last ounce of your energy listening to your little three-year-old son's adventures or, or your teenage daughter's drama. You know, like, just be there. Yeah, I asked a buddy today what he was going to do, you know, whether he's going to do anything special for Father's Day, and he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, man, I got three softball games for my daughters, and then I'm taking my son to Missoula to get his tonsils taken out. I'm like, sounds like an awesome day, man. And, but for him, it is an awesome day because he's a dad and that's what dads do. So embrace that vocation. It's beautiful and people need fathers. Your sons and daughters need their fathers. It's such an important vocation in today's world. And so live it to the fullest and love with your whole heart and be joyful in that. Amen.